0: shall we? Yes, I think we shall. Welcome to another episode of Hard Topics. On this episode, we cover addiction. I'm Kylie. And I'm Christine. And these are Hard Topics. They're the hardest topics. They are the hardest topics. (laughs) Addiction. Oh, well. Addiction. Right. I feel like we really jump right in to a Mm. hard topic. Not saying that Last episode's work or workaholism topic wasn't hard, yeah. but addiction is on a completely different level from working too much.
1: Exactly. Because working too much, it's like, well, I could quit my job and take a... A sabbatical. Um, a sabbatical. Exactly. I could just take a sabbatical and then, well, I'm not a workaholic anymore because I don't have a job. But an addiction is always seen as something negative, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think that it could be a positive. I do think that our society looks at certain things that you may be addicted to as positive, like addiction to exercise or addiction to clean eating or addiction to dieting. Those tend to be praised and looked at like you're bettering yourself. However, I do not think any of those behaviors are healthy. Why not? Well, you know, exercise obviously is very good for you. I am a huge proponent of exercising. I absolutely love exercising. Especially at
1: five in the morning. It's
0: at six in the morning. Okay, Kylie. All right. Okay, six now. My bad. All right. Um, if you are over exercising for weight loss, or you are over exercising to meet some body ideal, uh, or you are over exercising to make up for food that you ate, yeah, I think that that is a very damaging behavior. Yeah, I, I mean, unless you are a professional athlete literally has to exercise as their profession yeah unless you are Serena Williams or you are an NFL player or any other type of professional sport or sports literally your job there's absolutely no reason for you to be working out to the point where it
1: consumes your life I think that's the one that's the crux right so you if you observe your language it's doing more almost like this action too much to the extent that it's it could be problematic in your life and even when you talk about someone that their profession you know forces them to engage in an obsessive amount of sports and exercise and training that I'm assuming that there's that's got to take quite a hectic toll on your body what's that, that thing about moderation
0: everything in moderation
1: that's the one <laughs> So addiction, synonymous with something that's negative. And even when there's something positive, it's still, you're doing it too much. It's almost this sense of indulgence. You know when someone says, oh, that kid is so spoiled. Their parents love them so much they're spoiled. But if you actually take a step back, what does the word spoiled really mean?
0: An overabundance of stuff Yeah. or praise.
1: If a fruit has been spoiled, the fruit has gone bad. Right, yo, interesting. Well, you think of us as spoiled little brat, right? Spoiled little brat, exactly. Kid gone bad. Kid got too much. Kid went bad. But I was actually thinking as you were talking today, we're talking about addiction. I was thinking about, before we get to any fact finding, when you say addiction what do people think about? And I thought, okay, well, addiction sometimes is almost seen with the word obsessed or obsessive behavior. So I wanted to ask you, like, when you think of addict or, oh, I'm so addicted to, what does that make you think of?
0: So I wrote down, I guess, my definition of addiction.
1: Great. Let's hear it. So
0: let me read you or paraphrase what I wrote. Cool. It's a bunch of things. So the need or drive for something, and I'm air quoting something something, which could be a substance, a feeling, a release. That without that thing, one cannot get through the day as a functioning human being. It's all consuming. It's the only thing the person can focus on until that need is satisfied. But the satisfaction is short-lived.
1: They may literally die without it and it ruins one's life. Whoa, that's a really comprehensive definition. That's your own definition. That's amazing. <laughs> I just wrote down uh, keywords like <laughs> breaks up family. Seen as having too much. I wrote down money. Also, wrote comedy that basically makes addiction seem attractive. So like she's stumbling drunk that's hilarious or like beer goggles liquid courage and then obviously just doing something too much to the extent that it's affecting your life which is exactly what you said in a way more eloquent way that was great no 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 way
0: i do something that you touched on about comedy and how society sometimes puts a spin i'll say on addictive behavior's Specifically around drinking and drugs. Yep. Where smoking. in certain, yeah, smoking and especially like pot. Right. Everyone sort of um, hates cigarette smoke at this point, right? But, yeah. And vapors. But, yeah, I feel like marijuana. That made me feel like a real old person who calls it marijuana smoke smoking dope. <laughs> smoking dope. <laughs> you know that that's become yeah, the new cool. trend. Like that, you know. Yeah, it's a trend now that it's yeah you know becoming legalized. It's not perceived as like Um, such a bad thing
1: people have been desensitized to it but if you think about yeah yeah because the media the media is controlling what we what we should or shouldn't be addicted to i i think well i know i think i think
0: that it's sort of sort of done i mean if you look at even the
1: clothes you buy the car that you
0: drive the things that you watch the things that you listen to you know what's popular that's all driven by by the media right yeah this could be completely wrong, but I remember my uncle telling me that he's a former smoker. But I okay. remember him telling a, me A weed or
1: cigarettes.
0: Cigarettes. Cigarettes. I'm talking okay. about cigarettes. He got addicted or started smoking in college because the cigarette companies would like at like send them mail. And I don't think that he said that they mailed them cigarettes, but I remember him saying that he got hooked or he started smoking because he would get, like, get mail mailed. and he, maybe they mailed them cigarettes. I don't remember. Yeah.
1: Interesting if we think that it's possible that the media has an influence on a potential to be addicted to something first of all do you think that the media can control or has an influence on what we can possibly be addicted to and can you think of one or two examples of that you can see that the media has had an influence on doesn't have to be your life but just people that you know in terms of addiction
0: yeah so i wouldn't necessarily blame the media for addiction because i think that i think that certain people have addictive personalities and others don't you know you may receive the same messaging that I receive. And we may, let's just take alcohol, right? We may drink the same amount. But if I have an addictive personality where you don't, you know, I'm probably the one that's going to end up
1: with the problem. That's also what I was thinking about, right? Okay. I do think that specifically
0: around alcohol and for younger generation, like high school, college, that's the cool thing. If you're not going out in college, going out drinking excessively, then it's like you're sort of a loser. Like, oh, you don't drink. Yeah. drink and i've definitely passed that judgment on people if they don't like, drink
1: yeah why do you think you do that like what's to judge nothing yeah they're thinking too straight i don't like this i don't know maybe i
0: related it to or correlated it to being boring
1: right yeah i can see that
0: i'm not at all saying that that's okay that that's not right
1: but where does that come um, from i mean i also
0: yeah but i think going back to your original question i think i would say alcohol and now those terrible vape pens.
1: Oh, vapes.
0: What the fuck is that thing?
1: So obnoxious.
0: And then people that I know that didn't even smoke Have these dumb vape pens? I'm like, do you really think you look cool with that dumb thing? Because you're not Yeah, of course.
1: Yeah. Terrible. I'm passing, see, I'm
0: passing judgment again.
1: But that's fine. I think that it's a normal human characteristic to judge. I would be lying if I said that I haven't judged anyone who said they don't drink. I went on a date with someone, first date, and I shouldn't have judged him. But I mean, the lady came and she's like, what do you want to drink? And I said, you know, and I ordered an alcoholic beverage and he ordered a tea. And I felt unnerved by this. In my mind, I also thought... This person is not fun and why did they suggest going to a bar in order a, a hot drink? tea a hot tea yeah not even an iced tea
0: <laughs> yeah I think that's a bit odd
1: but I wanted to comment on what you said about the alcohol and something that I also wrote down that I wanted to talk about is that let's say there's you who has the addictive personality and me that doesn't and we drink the same amount I almost liken us to be at the same starting point but the difference is the boundary so the boundary between us no our limits and like we talked about or like you put in your definition of if it affects your life that's probably where it's becoming a problem basically what i'm saying is the fine line between enjoying yourself and indulging yourself versus actually being addicted to something
0: after i wrote down my thought or my definition of what i think addiction is or some characteristics of it i did a yeah. little googling Ooh, google and i stumbled upon a few sites one of which is is psychiatry.org, which is the American Psychiatric Association's website. Cool, APA. I wrote down a few things from their site, one of which is unable to stop even if they want to. Mm. And I think that's where that fork in the road, right? You may have five glasses of wine and know that you've had too much and not pour the sixth. I might have five glasses of wine. No, I've had too much. But I have to pour the six, and then I
1: have okay. to drink more tomorrow. It's not a start and stop. It's a if I start, the train is going to leave go. the station. Yeah. Yes. I'm a big advocate for the DSM-5. It's actually what the American Psychological Association uses as their kind of like gold standard to recognize all the mental illnesses, the disorders that they categorize, or the classes that they categorize for, in particular, substance abuse. The DSM has very defined criteria for what makes something, what makes you addicted, classified as an addict, and what classifies as a substance abuse, mental illness. If you are unable to refrain, you know that you have a problem. Were are you going to Share what those are. Yeah. I'll start with the criteria. So the DSM is grouped it into two different groups. So you have substance use disorders and then there are substance induced disorders. The substance use disorders is what they have the 10 class of drugs that they classify as what can lead to a substance related disorder. Those are alcohol, caffeine, dope or cannabis <laughs> whatever you want to use, um, <laughs> hallucinogens, so like psilocybin or LSD, inhalants, opioids, sedatives, uh, hypnotics or stimulants, for example, like amphetamines or cocaine, tobacco, and then my favorite, miscellaneous or other. And What's in that kind of- <laughs> category?
0: I feel well, like you- <laughs> that's not a
1: great category for that list. Anything, anything that's not on that list. So like... I, so I actually, I went, I went ahead, maybe I should contact the DSO and be like, I've thought about this miscellaneous category. <laughs> Boy, do I have more to offer you. So I, right. I, I was trying to kind of push you into this answer, but you didn't give it, which is- Oh, damn. No, so it's fine. It means that we think differently. It's good. So the one thing that I think the media really tries super hard to get us addicted to, and to some degree, I think it works, is shopping and more specifically <gasps> online oh shopping. Oh
0: my god. Yes.
1: Yes. Extreme consumerism. You
0: have to have the latest trends from these stores. Mm -hmm. Don't you dare shop at Old Navy.
1: Oh, no. Where do you have to shop? Gap? No, the Gap gap went down the toilet
0: a long time ago. Oh, did it?
1: My bad. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I also wrote that I thought we could talk about porn, um, oh. which I think is its definitely an addiction, right? Uh,
0: sorry to cut you off, but would, would you no, throw an addiction to watching porn in with just
1: a general... Sex addiction? Or do you think those two things are different? Mm. I actually think I'm saying think because I don't know. But if you're listening to this, let me know if I'm on the right track. But I think a sex addiction is someone who's addicted to having sex with many people and they can't stop having sex, but a porn addiction is related to then just watching or reading or looking at pornographic material, I think.
0: Okay. Question? That probably makes sense. Yeah. Is that true? I don't really know anything about either one of those except that David Duchovny had a sex addiction <gasps> Whoa. and I only okay. think I know that because I used to really like
1: the x-files oh the x-files <laughs> did you did you ever watch Bojack Horseman no I think I'm I think I'm addicted to it because I've, I've watched it so many times
0: is that a but cartoon
1: it's animated okay but I wouldn't call it a cartoon as much as it's it's for children it's, definitely well, it's animated for it's animated yeah yeah, yeah. I have um, a confession a, a
0: confession to make
1: Not a confection. I'm ready. A confection. I love confections.
0: (laughs) I'm not a fan of cartoons, animated television shows, animated movies.
1: I have something to tell you. What? I'm exactly the same. I can't stand animated movies. I've never seen Frozen. Me either. I don't like it. I'm not a fan. I don't.
0: I understand it from a child's perspective. Yeah. You know, I have beloved Disney movies, and television show, like cartoon shows I would watch, you know, very fond memories of those things. But as an adult,
1: nah, I it's not don't me.
0: understand
1: it. But Bojack's different. Because <laughs> mm. I'm a hypocrite, obviously. <laughs> and there's this line in the show, the one character goes, I get that it's called the X-Files. What happened to like the A to Z files? Why is it just the X-Files? What happened to the other files?
0: Well, I just love because they were, it was like extraterrestrials, like aliens.
1: Oh, uh, extra, extraterrestrial. That does make sense. I mean, we're going to have so many people who are <laughs> fr- Frozen fans and Up fans and who just like, or
0: adult Disney people who are going to be writing
1: us hate Click. mail. <laughs> or so they're going to turn it off and be like, doesn't like animation? I'm out. BoJack deals with very adult themes, like addiction, actually. So the main character is a functioning alcoholic. Oh. Yeah, which is an interesting concept, right? This whole idea of functioning alcoholic versus non functioning alcoholic. And of course, this is specifically related to alcohol, but I mean, what's yeah. the definition there?
0: Well, I think when you're a functioning alcoholic, like you literally need to have a drink. And I don't think it's one drink. You need to drink yeah. in order to actually be a functioning human being. And somehow, and I don't think that, the, that people that are functional alcoholics are at the prime of their life or probably even doing great, but they're able to get through their day, but only if they drink. It's, what it's, about the people who drink like like,
1: coffee though? How's that different? Okay, so
0: caffeine addiction is something that I really struggle with understanding. I also think that people throw around the word addiction very loosely when it comes to things like caffeine or coffee. So I would like for someone who actually feels that they have an addiction to caffeine to write to us and talk to us about it.
1: The DSM and the American Psychological Association recognizes caffeine as a substance that you can be addicted to. So you can be addicted to coffee. Like someone writes in, they're like, hey, Kylie and Christine, I am addicted to coffee. They might not be off, off base. However, I'm not
0: saying that coffee, a uh, caffeine addiction is fake. I'm not saying
1: that at okay. all. But I just struggle but. with
0: understanding what that looks like. Do you get I severe think. headaches if you don't have it? Can you literally not oh. get out of bed What will happen to you, I guess, physically and mentally if you do not have caffeine? And does that mean that you have to drink it all day? Or can you just not get through your morning? Like, Because I think that people throw that around, like, oh, I'm so addicted to coffee, or I'm so addicted to sugar, and it's like, you're not really, then what does an actual caffeine addiction look
1: like? When I was looking up different definitions for addiction, the words that came up in multiple definitions, it's compulsive behavior, affect your daily life, it's habit forming. And basically it's something that is negatively impacting your life. So how is how is you needing to drink coffee also like related to this definition of addiction, right? So yeah, every day, but exactly like you're saying, how much coffee do I need to drink to justify my addiction? And how many withdrawal symptoms do I need to have in order to claim that I do have this addiction to coffee because I think that from what I've seen from people that don't get their however much coffee they need to drink they get they do get headaches and they get shakes it's not that they have to justify that their addiction what I meant by saying that
0: is I think that that word is thrown around very loosely oh without understanding it yeah yeah and I'm not saying that I think it's fake i clearly if you're getting the shakes when you don't have it then you're addicted to it by definition, an addiction and you're experiencing symptoms like severe headaches or shakes, even that is not something that is It's not healthy. A, a, it's it's not obviously healthy. not healthy when people look at that and say it's a problem. Like they're not going to send you to rehab. They're not going to stage an intervention, probably. I don't know. Maybe someone has had a caffeine intervention. Could you die Maybe. from it? I don't know. Could you go could you go through withdrawal symptoms? so severe that you could literally die your I don't know.
1: But I get what you're saying that how severe can it be? But I also wanted to say with coffee, very similar to cigarettes, it might also be related to dependency on it because there's something chemical that goes mm-hmm. in your brain, right? So because you're drinking so much caffeine, stuff's getting depleted or am I thinking of cigarettes? Is it the same with coffee? Question mark?
0: I mean, maybe the caffeine, the, the caffeine addiction could be related to a nicotine addiction because that's really what you're addicted to when you're addicted to cigarettes. cigarette. Yeah, I don't, I don't know enough about the, health impacts of too much caffeine I feel like very very limited knowledge is like what they say about drinking red wine one day it's great and one day it'll kill you and then the next day it's better than exercise which is absolutely ridiculous and then the next day it's something else so I feel like that's the same thing with caffeine Right. Make a scrub out of your coffee grounds and help to reduce your cellulite. If you were actually addicted to caffeine and you consumed X number of grams of caffeine a day, what yeah. what that does to you? Because your body gets used to whatever you put in it, right? Yeah, right. So I feel like at one point, and I'm not a scientist, so I could be 100% wrong, but at some point your body would regulate and adjust. So okay, you would yeah. not have that negative reaction forever.
1: So what you're saying is, if I wanted to take some heroin, and the first day I had like a really adverse effect, I should keep doing it every day, so that eventually it like evens out and it, it doesn't give me as much of a reaction.
0: No, I I I would not what? do the
1: heroin, but okay, just the coffee. You-
0: even like, let's take alcohol.
1: Let's take alcohol. Cool. Like, let's say
0: you're going on a, va- on a Caribbean vacation, right? You go to an all-inclusive and it's free drinks. Sounds great. Okay, great. And you're drinking basically all day. You have them bring a bucket of beer to the beach. You're having margaritas, mm. whatever. You, you're on vacation. You're having fun. You're not, you know, doing anything dangerous. Your tolerance is going to increase if you do that for, you know, a few days. You may get drunk off of two drinks on your first day, but at the end of the trip, you're not going to get drunk off of two drinks.
1: Yeah, your tolerance definitely goes up. And it works the same with any kind of substance, right? That's why, especially with over-the-counter drugs like paracetamol, you get a headache once, and you take one, then you get another headache, take two, take three, take four, take five. That happens to some people. One of the criteria is that to using despite negative effects And also you're using the substance in larger amounts or for a longer period of time than you're supposed to. That's one of the criteria for addiction. I do agree with alcohol, especially with the tolerance going up. And then you're on vacation and you're drinking your pina coladas in the sun and then you come back from vacation, but you're still drinking a large amount after the vacation.
0: Mm. So I was curious about addictive personalities and if there are a specific trait that makes someone have an addictive personality or over someone else. I read a little bit on the American Addiction Center's website. What is they it? state that there is not one specific personality that would be addicted. But those that have, and I'll read off the list, Please do. these things are more likely than others. That list includes relatives who have addiction issues, mm-hmm. um, if they experience other mental health issues if they are increased risk, risk t- takers wow that was a real tongue twister for me increase risk takers um if they are disconnected
1: disconnected to what
0: their life maybe others maybe society maybe they have a hard time with relationships OCD obsessive type behaviors which I to me that's another mental health issue if they're apathetic
1: mm, interesting.
0: and if they're unable to self-regulate
1: okay and this is the criteria
0: for people who will are susceptible be more likely yeah who are more susceptible to addiction got you
1: okay interesting that they write apathy as a contributing factor if nothing matters you can just do anything right so what right. does it matter if i just smoke all of this dope doesn't matter
0: in my um searching my
1: favorite website webmd
0: popped up in the oh list. i love them yeah and and there oh, their yeah. um you know grab your website link said addictive personality do you have one could
1: you take a clue so
0: i didn't because um i will definitely okay. have one and i'll also have cancer so oh
1: yeah i didn't yeah, yeah. but Yeah,
0: that's a favorite
1: of mine. Every type of cancer. Yeah. On the other spectrum, we're now talking about personality types that are more susceptible to having an addiction because of these things. The other scheme of people that have underlying mental conditions that then leads them to be addicted. And I wanted to bring up a personal example. A family friend of ours was this really up and coming, intelligent person. I don't know what other drugs were involved, has subsequently developed schizophrenia. Oh my God. And yeah, it's incredibly sad to watch this but the scary part about it is that some people can take certain drugs once and it can completely change their brain chemistry so negatively that they can develop a very severe mental illness or you can take it and be fine and this is obviously talking about addiction to to drugs and this has always kind of been in the back of my mind when I think about being addicted to drugs you know you think like oh you're you're at a party and you're talking about being cool and fitting in you know you're at this party someone's like hey you want a drink you think hmm should I have that drink? Or hey, you want some of my joint? Or hey, we have got some mushrooms? Or hey, we have got some MDMA? You don't know how you're gonna react to it. And I specifically, for the purpose of this podcast, took a screenshot of this image from a site called PostSecret. Do you know PostSecret?
0: Oh yes, yeah? I used to read PostSecret every
1: week. Sunday? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: I forgot all about that. So Is I've been still reading up- PostSecret
1: it's still going. Would you believe wow, it? Wow. Yep. Cool. I read it every Sunday. So for those who don't know, PostSecret is this beautiful art, community arts project where you can send in your secrets anonymously on postcards. And then every Sunday, Frank Warren, who's the curator of the website, uploads just a couple of them. And there was this one that I saw a few years ago. I just want to read it to you because it really stood out to me. And it says, Today marks two years since I tripped on acid and had a seven-hour anxiety attack, leaving me questioning my existence. It has ruined every aspect of my life. It completely unraveled my sanity. I feel like I'm one bad thought away from completely losing it. When will I be okay? When will I be able to forget? Two years later, and I fear that the answer is never wow that's what can happen
0: i also think that you can one day react a certain way one day react a very different way i know for myself i'm a wine drinker and i could have you know one glass of wine and i'm good and other times i have one glass of wine and i feel foggy and obviously that is nowhere nowhere near the same so not comparing my experience with my little glasses of wine but just like how your body how it affects you Just how anything you put in your body affects you. I mean, that can happen with food too.
1: Just because you do it once and you're okay, doesn't mean that you're going to do it again. And it's the risk you take. I really wanted to dive into how people's very severe addictions can affect other people. For example, how it affects work, how it affects re- your relationships, your family and your friends. I dated someone and I didn't know it until a few months into the relationship, but I found out that they had quite a problem with cocaine. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was really, really difficult because as a girlfriend, when you're dating someone, you you shouldn't want to change them, Right. But
0: no, you shouldn't. But <laughs> I kind
1: of accept, I wouldn't say that he was addicted at the time, but it was definitely a problem. And it's one thing for me to go, you can never do this again, or we're breaking up. That seems very severe. And you're an adult and you, you have to be responsible for your own choices. But at the same time, you're watching this person do something that you know isn't good for them. And I think it happens maybe on a, another level with people who are dating partners who smoke cigarettes. Cigarettes are proven to be very bad for your health. And you want someone to quit, but they're obviously not going to quit unless they want to. I would love to talk to you about someone who either is in a relationship with or you work with someone or you are friends with someone who you know is addicted to something. But how do you deal with a situation like that? Just like with drugs, you don't know how that person's going to react to you having a problem with it. How do you deal with that?
0: First, I would like to share my personal opinion on drugs. There's use cases where you need it.
1: I am convinced,
0: I've always been convinced that if I were to do a hard drug, I would drop dead immediately. So I've never done any hard drug because I'm convinced I will die. But why? I don't know. I just feel like my body would shrivel up. Like I just really, I'm I'm very against them.
1: So it would be like your mind going, I can't believe I did this. I'm just gonna spontaneously combust because the thought of me doing this. I just
0: don't feel comfortable with what it would do to you, what it does to you. But you wouldn't know what it would do to you. No, I've never wanted to try. I am the first to admit that I will overindulge in alcohol. I don't always have an off switch, but drugs, I will not go near at all. And I think because of that, I would not tolerate being in a relationship with someone that did drugs. If they were a cigarette smoker, well, okay. Nowadays, present time, if I were to, yeah. I mean, I'm married, so let's imagine that I'm not, but if I were to meet somebody romantically who was a cigarette smoker, I'd be incredibly turned off by that. And I probably would not date them. 20 years ago, maybe not even 20, 30 years ago when everyone smoked, then it probably wouldn't have mattered. Right. And I grew up in a family of smokers. Like my parents didn't smoke. My grandparents did. I have a lot of aunts and uncles that smoke. So I'm around, cig- like I've been around cigarettes, but now I would not, I would not be in a home with a smoker.
1: Yeah. It is a big turn off. Also, it smells yeah. really gross i probably i mean vaping is is awful but cigarettes are way worse i've never understood people that love smoking yeah they're essentially before you're taking because it's literally taking the most disgusting smelling tar and just willingly putting it in your lungs right that's
0: where the addiction is because of that nicotine like you know people who smoke cigarettes know that they're bad for them it's on the carpet. you will die
1: (laughs) Have you ever had a cigarette before? Oh, yeah. I smoked once. I felt so ill. I had that that nicotine rush. I felt like the room was kind of spinning, but not in a fun way. And I just thought to myself, oh my God, is this what smoking cigarettes is like? This is not enjoyable. The person I was with, you know what they said to me? Just keep smoking. That goes away. That's what I was
0: saying about this. About your <laughs> caffeine. But for, but the Just keep drinking yeah. coffee. Keep pushing through the horrible feeling for the thing that will destroy your lungs. But no, yeah. so I, I think because I have these personal opinions about hard drugs specifically that if I were newly dating a person and I found yeah. out very early that they were a hard drug user, that would be a, a no for me dog. I wouldn't yeah. deal with it. Now let's, you know, take a family member or, or a best friend who is my family. Yeah. Um, uh, or a best friend and they developed a drug problem and i have okay i have to also say this i think that any use of hard drugs is a drug problem even like a one off no if you do it one time that's different but if you do it whatever your cadence is but you use drugs to me that's a drug problem you may not have to do it every day but you engage in it recreationally to me you have a drug
1: problem okay so your definition is just about no matter what the cadence is but if you're doing it several times you have a problem. That's a problem. I mean, right? if you, like, let's say you do it
0: once a year, probably not. If there's some form of frequent cadence, a frequent user, and we can yeah. argue about what frequent means. Sure. But if you're a, if you did it one time and that was it, then no. But yeah, if you engage in it semi-regularly, I think that that's a
1: problem. What if one of your friends likes to take MDMA, but only when they go to music festivals? What about that? Yeah,
0: I'm not a fan.
1: Do you think that your friend has a problem? Potentially. I think it can very quickly
0: develop into a problem.
1: I've personally never taken it, but I hear that it definitely enhances your experience of live music. And the reason I bring it up is because the effect, so it gives you, it's an upper, but eventually it depletes your serotonin levels to the fact that you have this really intense come down, which is a problem for anyone that suffers with depression or that's on medication because your serotonin is already depleted, so you really shouldn't be doing MDMA. But the point of this is people do it in a specific situation, i.e. when they go to music festivals or parties or whatever, whatever, because it gets them really pumped up. But they're only doing it in that context. So if they're not going to a music festival, they're not doing it. Ergo, my question to you is, is that problematic behavior? Because it's not necessarily, I hate this term, but a gateway into doing other drugs. It's like saying that you're a social smoker. You're only smoking at certain times. So what do you think about that? I get your point. I still think it's problematic.
0: Why? And I think it's problematic because of how dangerous it is. Where if you may, like, let's take cigarettes as an example. If you only smoke cigarettes when you go to a concert... Right, you're not going to a concert every week. You're probably not going to a concert every month, right? How often do you go to concerts now? Never, but <laughs> in regular you yeah. know, times. I mean, I'm not going to want to breathe in your secondhand smoke, but whatever, because that one use or those very infrequent uses, they're not going to kill you. But you can do that drug one time and have that either have such a horrible reaction where it's affecting you years later, like the person that wrote into post secret, yeah. or you could literally drop dead. And I think that's yeah. where it differs for me is the severity of the potential effect impact. Yes.
1: Yeah. That's what it sounds like to you. Addiction, in inverted commas, is seen as like what kind of impact or effect it has on that person that you can see. One of the biggest, out of the research I did, one of the biggest, well, one of the biggest exports that South Africa has in terms of drug is took and heroin. Just as a point of interest, I thought that was really interesting. We apparently export a ton of heroin to the USA. You're welcome, I guess. Oh, thanks. Um, thanks, South Africa. Apparently, you know, that's, that's, that's what we're good for. Meet but you, you have Starbucks world. now, so you're welcome. Yeah, thanks for that, man. But the number one really uh, severe addiction in South Africa... Is alcohol. The stats are pretty horrifying. In 2016, it said that South Africa has four and a half thousand people in Alcoholics Anonymous, and those are just the people that are members of it. So it's not taking into account people generally speaking, and it's not even counting people that are high-functioning alcoholics. And what scares me about that is during quarantine there was an alcohol ban, right. and as you know from history. Prohibition just makes people want to drink even more. There were cases of people that are, I wonder if this has even happened in the past, but I know that because of quarantine, there were people that literally drank hand sanitizer just to get that alcohol and they died. Yeah. This is very serious. But I really want to talk about how do you handle somebody in your life that has an addiction doesn't matter what they're addicted to or maybe it does maybe that'll differ how you handle that but what do you do people always, you know in these television shows they they have that intervention banana, that bullshit letters i don't know if that's the best way to deal with it but what do you do you confront yeah. the person what should you do
0: i realized i went off on a tangent about how much i hate hard drugs and i didn't actually answer your question that's okay
1: so i'm making you answer it now <laughs>
0: I've never had to personally deal with this. I'm answering not based on experience. If someone has a problem that is so severe, like they actually have an addiction or they're abusing, whatever it may be, I'm not going to put cigarettes in that category. I'm going to put drugs or alcohol. And honestly, you could probably even throw shopping. I really want to talk more about shopping, FYI. We can do that. Okay, I think that an intervention is probably a good idea if it does reach a certain point. And I don't think that it's an intervention like you're hanging the banner or you're writing letters. Yeah, I don't. Know, maybe you are writing things down, like how it's impacted you and other people. And but I think that you have to get the person help. Like, I would like to think that interventions maybe snap some people out of it, but I don't think you can have an intervention for someone and then the next day be, oh, okay, cool, we did the intervention, so now you're better. Yeah. You need to be a support You need to help the person through it, or they need to get professional help. But granted, they have to want to do that. They're not
1: going to do that. Bang on the money. They're not going to do that just because
0: you asked them and reeled them a nice
1: water. 110%. There is a television series on Netflix called Trinkets, and I think it's also based on a book with a similar title. And it's about a bunch of young kleptomaniacs. They go to Kleptomaniacs Anonymous. And and they talk about how they're addicted and they they can't stop stealing things from stores and it gives them this rush, this sense of euphoria, this high that you get from any kind of drugs or whatever. You're constantly chasing this high. I really do think that you are 100% bang on the money. You can tell someone that you're worried about them, that you care about them, but if they don't want to get help, if they don't, especially like you said, one of the characteristics are people who are apathetic. And what do you do with someone who's so apathetic? That they're just like yeah well I know it can kill me but whatever if you just let them invariably kill themselves by means of their addiction families where their children are addicted to some kind of substance where they're just doing anything to get the money to just do more of it it's just like well my life doesn't matter nothing matters so I'm just going to keep doing it mm-hmm. it must be incredibly difficult and even with something like cigarettes we live in a society where things like this are seen as cool and something you want to do even something like you <laughs> to talk about online shopping. Online shopping must be one of the coolest things to do. We've got a wish list, Christmas is coming up, it's this push 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 to buy. Uh, Michael McIntyre even has it in his new Netflix special where he jokes about how his wife is addicted to online shopping. And in the joke he talks about the way that he kind of handles it, in inverted commas, is by indulging her and basically gamifying it. Yeah it's also hilarious that these you know people have an addiction let's just deal with it by laughing. You're encouraged it's seen as like oh this is a negative thing but it can be very positive the online shopping what's cooler than that are we shifting into online shopping now because i have a hundred percent i am okay i'm opening the door for online shopping
0: i think it is keeping up with the joneses i think it is extreme consumerism at a point i think it's crafty marketing but i also think it's it is very justified like i'll want to buy something let's take it back to episode one and we'll we'll use my anthropology Ooh. suede jacket as an example right i love this. did Taking i did i need that suede jacket jacket no it did not did i want it with every bone of my body okay right and the way that you justify that and i don't know if this actually happened when this in this case but this happens a lot where i'll talk to a friend of mine I'll be like oh did you see this should i buy this not now you know be like oh i feel guilty about it because i don't really need it and it's always well you work hard you deserve it yeah you deserve it because you did this yeah, I'm like, you know what, you're right. I do work hard. Let me buy myself a treat. But that's <laughs> bullshit. Why is it it's bullshit? Bullshit. Why? You don't deserve anything enough to put yourself in debt. Okay. Because so you, you put work hard. In
1: to this jacket.
0: No, like, I did not. I did not. I think if you're talking about a shopping addiction, then to me, I assume that there's some financial impacts of that. Unless you're Jeff Bezos.
1: <laughs> 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 oh, that was such, okay. Yeah. So while we're on this example, I I want to go through the DSM criteria with you, and you have to say yes or no. So I'll give you a tick or a cross. Take the wear jacket example. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Did buying the jacket? Did you have a craving to use the substance? I suppose in this case, substance would be would be money. Did you have a craving to spend money? Yes or no?
0: I guess yes. I don't. That's a hard one to answer.
1: I think yes. Yeah. But obviously, it's it's up to you on this fake Buzzfeed quiz we got going. Okay. Um, <laughs> at the time that you were buying this this jacket, do you feel like you were trying to not buy, but you couldn't manage to not buy things? Yes. Okay. Basically you feel like my existence? Yeah. Just wanting to keep more, more. Less time. When you spend money, do you find that after you bought the jacket, you started spending more money on more things than you didn't mean to? No. Did you shop online longer than you wanted to for the jacket? I would say
0: maybe yes, because
1: I put it in my cart and then went back oh, well, to I'll give you four, four times. <laughs> I'll give you a half because I feel like okay. that's, and you know why I'll give you a half? Because I think there is something to be said for people like myself who have a lot of items in the cart, but don't proceed to buying, which is good. Bad for business. Yes. Good for me. Which I do a lot. I did that a lot. Good. You have control. Was buying the jacket, did it affect your daily life by buying this oh. jacket? <laughs> no. Okay. <Rare. laughs>
0: Sorry, I shouldn't laugh. because we're talking
1: about a suede jacket, but I know. But it's fine. It maybe maybe it affected other people's lives because you bought the last one. How annoying. I? I might have when you find something you really like and it goes sorry it's not available on your size. try again that happens with (gasps) everything everything i want everything which to me is
0: always the sign that if it sells out before you bought it like if you were on the fence yeah my whole thing is i always have guilt right i shouldn't be buying this so i'll put it in my cart for a while and see if i actually still want it like a few days later yeah and if i go back and it's still there and i still want it i'm like okay i'm gonna buy this if i go back it's out sign
1: have it. I don't know if Amazon does this, but our equivalent here is called Take A Lot, and I do like to Take A Lot. Ha ha ha! And the greatest thing about Take A Lot is they have basically they you can buy something, and if you don't like it for whatever reason, you can return it and get your money back, which is great. Return policy, you,
0: kindly is they like what have, you're a
1: great, have a great. Yeah, now that I say it's probably really standard. But it's great because you buy. Like the other day, man, I don't know about you, but I go through earphones like it's no one's business. And I was, screw this, I'm going to buy a Bluetooth headset. But I didn't want to spend too much. I just didn't want to. So I bought yeah. this El Cheapo Bluetooth headset because it looked really good and had good reviews. And it arrived and it was a pile of garbage. I'm sending this back. So I sent it back and got my money back. That's like, great. Anyway, this is not about me. This is about you. Did you spend your money even though you knew that you'd have less money in the bank and that that would be bad for you? I
0: don't know. Can we give a half?
1: Yeah, we can your half okay. Did you buy oh. the jacket despite causing negative effects on your family? Did Seamus get upset? No, you no. no, 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 no. All right, we'll say no.
0: Yeah, I mean, the only okay. reason I said half was because, yeah. Could I have taken the 160 bucks and used it or just kept it in the bank or done something more productive with it? Yes. But did it bankrupt me? No.
1: No. Would you say that buying the jacket put you in danger? Of only being too cool. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, we'll give it a no. So according to the criteria, (laughs) since you only have two, it says if you have two to three of these symptoms, then it just indicates a mild substance abuse disorder. Whereas if you had four or five, it would indicate moderate disorder and six or more indicate a severe substance use disorder according to this quiz very mild so keep an eye on it and you should be fine i think that's a fair assessment yeah i would
0: but i will i will say that i am able to self-regulate going back to what the american addiction centers says i am able to self-regulate
1: good sign when we were speaking about addiction to porn and sex addictions there was that movie i don't know if you saw it with scarlett johansson and that guy from 500 days of summer don john oh i have seen that with um joseph gordon lovett
0: i don't really remember
1: it's about a guy who has a porn addiction and even though he has this beautiful girlfriend he can't stop himself from doing it and that very clearly marries itself to the criteria that we've gone through about what it means to be addicted even though you you have something that you you don't need to use this substance you still keep going for it it just really for me paints the picture of what addiction looks like some people go i'm so addicted to sugar but when you say that you need to recognize what it is that you're saying is very very serious like addiction can land up really ruining your life and maybe without you even realizing it. What do you think you would do if you identified yourself as addicted to something? What would you do?
0: I would like to think that because I am very self aware and I'm very aware of how my body feels that I would seek help. I would like to think that would happen. Granted I have never been addicted to something I have never been, if we're going to use the definitions that we have cited here today and the discussions Mm -hmm. we have had today, I can confidently say I've never been a definition. Congratulations. Yes, have I overindulged in things? 100%. Do I shop too much sometimes? Definitely. I will say that I had back surgery at the beginning of the year, and they gave me pain pills and muscle relaxers. And I've had pain medication before. I had my wisdom teeth out. I had like another very, very silly minor procedure a handful of years ago and they gave me like Vicodin or something right so I've had that type of pain that type of pain medication before and never felt like I used it to the where when I absolutely needed to I never felt like the desire to abuse it. But when I had my back surgery, that was the first time where I ever felt like I could understand why people get addicted. Yeah. And it might have been the combination of the two. I had never had muscle relaxers before. And I did not because I knew that was bad. And I knew that, you know, I shouldn't abuse it even though it made me feel good. But that was the first time that I ever, I remember saying it to Shamus. I think I get now why people become addicted to
1: these things. Because it feels good. Yeah. I suppose I can only speak for myself sometimes life is really hard not sometimes life is really hard yeah things happen in life and it's tough sometimes you you don't want to deal with the things going on in your head and you just want to escape you can't deal with the reality and i'm not saying that this is necessarily related to addiction all the way but you want that escape so you do something that makes you feel good that makes you feel euphoric or high maybe it starts with well i just need to switch off i'm just gonna smoke a joint or i'm just going to take a sedative or whatever the case is but it can devolve very quickly into an addiction i'm on very honest terms with my therapist, with meds, in that I really don't like them. I feel like I'm not in control of. And he wanted to prescribe me... I think it's called Ativan, if you've heard of it. I did my research before I I filled the prescription. Ativan is an incredibly addictive drug. And it's not a drug drug. It's a medical thing. But the fact is, if I took that every time I had what I thought was a panic attack, it might devolve into, oh, I think I'm a bit anxious, so I'm just going to take one. Because your body kind of gets used to it. And I didn't want to put myself in that situation. Because I don't want to become dependent on some medication like that. But Mm -hmm. I do think that it's easy to slip into that. Mm -hmm. Because you... Because life is inherently difficult, you know, people Mm -hmm. think that life must just be this easy thing that you can coast off, but it's not. Life is hard. Life is hard for everybody. And we do need things in life to make us feel like we're not drowning or whatever the case is. You know, there's obviously the boundary between doing something once and then feeling okay versus slipping past that. And how do you keep yourself grounded enough to not let yourself get there? especially when when life's been tough. Imagine this year and all the people like myself who have lost their jobs or are just having a hard time, maybe because they can't socialize as much, But I'm sure there are people out there that are really, really struggling. What what about the people that are drinking themselves into a stupor just because they can't deal with what's happening? How do you deal with that? Do you think these people know that they have a problem? Or are they in denial?
0: I think even if people are in denial at some point, they know they have a problem. I don't think anyone could be in such denial that they don't know at some point. point, I would also like to clarify a comment that I made about how I don't have addiction issues. Yeah. Because that made me sound like, oh, I'm so great. I've definitely engaged in addictive behaviors right definitely but i don't think that i've again if we're going based on the things that we have discussed and the definitions we have cited i don't think that i can say that i've ever been addicted in this sense but i can very easily see how quickly you can turn in it can turn into a full fledged addiction and yeah i don't i don't know what the answer is to your question how do you deal with it how do you deal with it if it happens to you how do you deal if it happens to someone you know or love i
1: I think it's also about your environment is to some degree going to be an influencing factor on what happens with your addiction. Definitely. If you're in a bad home,
0: if you're in a bad marriage, if you're in a bad relationship, if you've lost your job, if you're super isolated,
1: if you don't have a support system. Mm -hmm. It doesn't even have to be as, as negative as that. It can even be all of your friends are doing this thing. Mm,
0: peer pressure. Let's take drinking.
1: It's such a mild form of peer pressure, you, you might not even notice it. Last year I did Sober October and it's not like I drink that much anyway, but I wanted to do it. And the weirdest thing that I found was that it wasn't hard for me to not drink. It was hard because of everyone's reaction to me. But, but why? Why would you not drink? Well, it's my choice and I don't want to. You almost have to get new friends. <sighs> You, know, you have right. to move out of that social circle If you, if you want to try And if you do have an actual addiction to something A friend of mine Her husband has an addiction to, to something very serious And after failing rehab Had to literally move cities So that they no longer were in touch With anybody that they knew previously Because the rehab center said That this is the best chance That this person has of recovering Is if they literally change everything About their environment Where wow. they live, who they interact with Mm-hmm. everything. And to me, that's huge, right? Mm-hmm. But it makes it makes sense. And yeah, so with that, I'd love to segue into the whole nature versus nurture argument when it comes to addiction. Do you have yeah, any research I mean, on that?
0: I don't have any research on that, but I do think that individuals are predisposed just because of looking at the list that I read before, you know, if they suffer from other mental health issues or if they are naturally more of a risk taker. Mm-hmm. But I do think that what you're exposed to. So I'm going to use my family as an example, okay? Cool. I come from a very large Irish Catholic family from New York. Give you a picture. And they're fantastic. And they like to have a good time. Cool. Okay? So that good time involves alcohol at literally every single family gathering. Okay? It's a kid's first birthday party. There's drinks. Anything. (laughs) There's drinks. For the kids? For the Um,
1: adults.
0: And that's normal for me. I actually find it it weird if I were to go to a party, even if it's like a first birthday party or a christening and there's no alcohol, I'd be like, where the F are the drinks? (laughs) I can't get through this without drinks. Well, if it's a first birthday party, then yeah, definitely. Where's the wine? And the party packs. Yeah, so that's my, that's what I'm used to. Does that make me addicted to alcohol? No, does that make anyone in my family addicted to alcohol? No. Do we overindulge? Yes. But I also know that if anybody really had a problem, every single one of those lunatics who I love would step up and identify it and do something about it. I don't think it's like, just because we do like to have a good time, I don't think it's that an abuse is tolerated
1: can I play devil's advocate slightly yes alcohol just as a general substance is very much accepted in many contexts like you said so yes. even, even for me it's like if I go to a friend for a braai, a barbecue as you might say if I go for a bride, there's always going to be beer and wine and whatever and if there isn't I'm like oh this is very strange why is there an alcohol because alcohol is socialized to be acceptable. Right. So my question to you, and you don't have to answer, but just a thought that I have is, your family are love to drink and be merry. What about a family, <laughs> you probably know where I'm going with this, what about a family who like to smoke weed? And not a lot, but just when they get together, it's just... Just indulge in a little bit of, of cannabis or whatever the, the case is. So maybe because they want to. How is that different to the family that is very festive and, and likes to have a little bit to drink? Why is the one problematic or not, if at all?
0: I mean, if that's your thing, I don't really have a problem with that. Now, if you, just, if you were to say, hey they like to engage in a little bit of blow, then that's where my red flag goes up because, again, you know, my issues with hard drugs. Sure. If they want to smoke weed, like I don't really give a crap. And again, things are changing with pot. Mm. I think if you're thinking about it from like a society perspective, yeah, one's legal, one's not in every place.
1: And with that, but why is alcohol legal as opposed to other things? It's just a question on my mind. Why has alcohol been legalized but other things have not? Let's just blame it on the white man. Oh, you know, easy target. Damn cisgendered white men. They just ruin everything. This is why we can't have nice things, right? Right. Um, Um, The idea of microdosing, which is this new concept that's coming up everywhere I see on the internet. And this idea of, well, drugs are bad unless you microdose. Because microdosing is seen as this medical way to help you work through things. Microdosing on psilocybin or mushrooms can help post-traumatic stress disorder, apparently. Okay. Yes. Thoughts. I'd love to hear that.
0: If you are microdosing, mm-hmm. whatever it is, to deal with an issue such as post-traumatic stress disorder, or perhaps you're doing it for anxiety, I don't really know anything about microdosing, but if okay. you are doing it to help that, then... Unless you are doing that under the care of a medical professional, right. I think saying that microdosing is okay because it helps in my pushback stress disorder, and you're just microdosing yourself. Yeah, that's a big selfmedicating. yes. Yeah, yeah, that's a bunch of BS yeah, you read yeah. on on Instagram, and now you think you you're gonna microdose because that's what some influencer told you to do.
1: Yeah, I didn't think of that before, and that's my argument. How is it that me, in inverted commas, me being the everyday woman, thinks that it's it's okay to microdose, but it's not okay to take antidepressants? You've just highlighted the difference would be that one is being monitored. We'd hope it's being monitored by a medical professional. Have you heard of, what's it called again? One where they take the cactus plant and then they see their whole lives and they feel like they're being rebirthed. So you go on like a spirit quest. They take a cactus plant? They boil down a cactus plant that gets reduced into this drink. And then usually what happens is you go into nature and there's a shaman that kind of conducts the ceremony and everybody imbibes the substance. The name will come to me in a bit. And then you go into like a sweat lodge and then you have this existential amazing experience, which to me sounds... Utterly terrifying, but I've heard that it's very therapeutic. People describe it as being reset. Their brain gets reset. Yeah, that sounds like it's like it is like a Native American thing. I want to say yes, but you mentioned Native? sweat lodge, but I
0: mean that seems very interesting. I are you What are you asking me about that?
1: <laughs> I wanted to bring this up because it was in my mind. It was linked to this idea of microdosing, and and is that okay? Masculine. Yes, masculine. Yeah. That's the one. Masculine. Is an alkaloid
0: that causes hallucinogenic effects similar to those of LSD and magic mushrooms. It occurs naturally in several varieties of cactus. Oh, peyote. Right. Most notably peyote. Yeah. Again, I don't really know anything about microdosing aside from what you literally just said. To me, taking peyote for this mescaline almost sounds like more of like a spiritual journey, like a rebirth almost, especially if you're going to a sweat lodge. like. Things like this have been around for so long. Like, I don't know, that's very different to me than I'm going a microdose X drug.
1: Yeah, what does that even mean? It's, Is that, it's, it's almost like a, it's like a safe
0: way to be a, have an addiction. I, I don't, a safe, I'm air quoting, way to have I an see. addiction. It's, honestly, it sounds like a bunch of crap to me.
1: It's microdosers
0: so that- message us. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's it's therapeutic and supposed to be so that you don't get the full effects, you're not actually doing the drug, it's a safe way. It's interesting to me that when I look up and was doing research about addiction, that it mostly comes up about drugs or alcohol. Addiction is seen as, as those two things when really addiction is so much more. I feel like that's a
0: very um, natural way to end the episode. 100%. I would like to add that if yep. anyone listening to this episode has experienced with any of the things that we have addressed today, which has been a lot, any form of addiction, peyote, microdosing, shopaholics, and you would like to share your experience or your knowledge with us, I think we would be more than willing to connect. You can find us on social media at Hard Topics Podcast. Email us at hardtopicspodcast at gmail.com.
1: Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Hard Topics. If you want to learn some more, like and subscribe. And yeah, we really hope you enjoyed it. I'm Kylie. And I'm
0: Christine. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Hard Topics. Bye.